It's, it's weird when you get a text on Wednesday from one of your brothers in Christ and he says this. This is Dan Ludke. He's like, praying for you, brother. This week's scripture could be perceived as difficult. I wish I could be here in person to hear you and share what the Lord has to say about it. Grace and peace. Now, I already had my outline, and I'm like, it caused me to go back, and I'm like, wait, what am I teaching that's so, that's so difficult? But, you know, I, I can sense that there, there may have been some, some questions here, but let's clear, let's clear some of that up this morning. We're in First uh, Timothy chapter 5. We've been going through the whole book of Timothy, which is basically a letter that Paul wrote to catch you up. We have a lot of guests here today, but to catch you up, uh, Timothy was in Ephesus, and Paul's in Colossa, and Timothy is a student, a disciple of, of Paul, and obviously Paul's a disciple of Jesus, and he had left Timothy in Ephesus to kind of like help them because they're going through all sorts of issues, and Timothy's young, we know that he's young because he, Paul keeps talking about it, and he said that last week in chapter 4, uh, don't let anybody look down upon you because of your youth. So here's a young guy trying to help the church be the church. And so Paul, he, he, he tells Paul, man, here's all the things that's going on. There's some wicked stuff that's going on in Ephesus, and I'm freaking out. And Paul writes him this letter to kind of comfort him, say, hey, read this letter and just let everybody know this is what it looks like. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And so that's where we are. And today's particular specific topic is about widows and elders, but that was a, an issue that was happening at the time. This was probably around 63 AD. Jesus had been dead for 30 years, and the church is young and new and trying to figure this thing out. And so uh, one of the issues is that Men died early back then, in their 40s, they died, and the women lived longer. So there was this issue of widows that occurred more than it does today. And then uh, we talked about last week, there's times when you're a believer and then you walk in your flesh you go through a season of just making bad choices or, in their case, teaching false things. The elders were telling things that weren't exactly that lined up with Paul. And Timothy's like, what do I do with this stuff? And so that's where we are today. We look at First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Don't rebuke an older man but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Now, he's literally saying right here, have some respect for the older people. Just because they have a birthday and get older, you know, have, have some respect for them. Look up to them. Encourage, it says exhort them, to encourage them, to love on them. This is, 
you can sit here and say this about older people, about widows, about elders, but really, this is the whole church. This message today is to the whole church. It's really what it's about in 2023. Much of what Paul's advising here involved this action based upon a sensible maturity of them. Like, yeah, just grow up. Treat each other right. He's, Timothy's obviously much younger than many in the church at the time, and he's saying, Timothy, just show these people great respect. Not that you need to worship them, but just love them and care about them. Give them attention. Don't be afraid to have bold conversations with older men. Even though you're young, sometimes the older men, they need correction. They need correction, but you don't have to rebuke them. Just talk to them. Have conversations. Be kind in your conversations. You hear me say this all the time, like husbands and wives or parents to kids. You can have great conversations that are of correction without emotion. Like, if I say the same thing to my wife with just a loud, mean voice, that's what she hears. But, if I say the correction, she's going to hear the correction and not the tone in my voice. And this is really what he's saying. It, it's the same thing with our kids. The way that we speak to our kids, just calmly. Respect your kids. It's not just about old people. Even a child is wise in how to speak. You know this because they know when to come to you at the right time. When they want something, ooh, now's not a good time. The kids are wise. They understand this. So treat them with respect as well. And then he gets into the support of widows. Support widows who are genuinely in need. A woman whose husband has died and has no male relative, no father, brother, son to support her. This is really the widow that we're referring to in this passage of Scripture. The other qualifier is one who displayed the fruit of the Spirit, support widows who are genuinely in need. And this is what it comes down to. This whole passage, chapter 5, is about those that are walking in the spirit versus those that are walking in their flesh. I said to a friend this week, I said, there's only one sin that believers have. Like, you know all the sins that uh, you can list, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but there's only one sin that's done in this room of believers, and that's when you walk in your flesh. That's it. It's not a matter of specifics of what you do, but you have, you have two choices. You either walk by the Spirit or you walk by your flesh. And if you walk by your flesh, that's sin. Because then, and, and walking by your flesh can even look good. Walking by the flesh is basically you doing things in your own strength. 
if, if I'm literally up here the one delivering this message today without the Spirit guiding me and leading me and directing me, you're in trouble. That's me doing it in my own flesh. When I know this is not about me, there's a Spirit living inside of me. He's talking to me right this second. And so that's what this is about. Take care of these widows because they're holy, righteous, and redeemed. It was only right for the church to show compassion to these women. It says, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness towards their own family first and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. Again, this is a spirit-led act. This is repayment for your own raising. My mom, it's her birthday today. But I know... As she saw for years and watched for years, she was excited that I'm up here just talking about Jesus. I, I don't do it to repay my mom, but that's one of the benefits. She taught me about Jesus. And it's, this pleases God. For this pleases God. It's like leaving a legacy. I'm, I'm gone in a few years. I'm gone from life here on earth in a few years and it's like what do you leave behind a bunch of youtube videos of me teaching okay that's worth something i hope but leaving a legacy for my daughter for my son that goes on to their grandchildren probably doesn't go much past that really But this is what he's saying. He's like, and then verse 5, he says, The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put their hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Again, he's saying there's those that are walking by the Spirit and those who are walking by their flesh. Those who are self-indulgent, they're walking by their flesh. It's not so much about specific disciplines as much as it is just living out of their true identity, knowing their true identity first, that they're a child of God and that they're redeemed, that they're forgiven, that they're holy. You realize that, right? If you believe, I'm assuming that most everybody in this room believes that Jesus is the Son of God and he died on a cross. And he died for all your sins, past, present, and future. And if that's the case, you're holy. Because he made you holy by dying on the cross and forgiving you of your sins. He's redeemed you. He's purified you. In Hebrews, he says, he even made you perfect. You're perfect. So when I look out here, I just see perfect people. Yeah, I know what you do. But that's your flesh. And I can love you based upon who your, your true identity, who that is, rather than what you do. Now granted, if you understand this stuff and you live out of your true identity, what you're talking about, great things are going to happen. Fruit is going to be produced that is not by you, but by the Spirit living in you. And, and what Paul's doing here is like, Help, help the ones that are walking by the Spirit. You know what that does? It puts us, this, this room of believers here, 
in the judgment seat. That's, that's kind of weird. I'm supposed to help the ones that are walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That, my friends, is when the Spirit has to give you discernment. How do you minister? I minister to people walking in their flesh all the time. You gotta, how are they going to hear the message if you don't, aren't loving on them and, and sharing with them? But I'm definitely taking care of the ones that are walking by the Spirit. Because they take care of me as well. Very much so. Verse 7, it says, Command this also so that they will be above reproach. That's a good public reputation. To be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. (laughs) Worse than an unbeliever. I mean, is there anything worse than an unbeliever? (laughs) Yes. Those who refuse to provide for their family. And when we talk about provision, we're not talking about just financial things and substance things. We're talking about spiritual provision. That I'm, I'm not responsible for my children's spiritual growth, but I better have some kind of impact. I, they better know what I believe. And not only know what I believe, but watch how I live my life. It says, if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially his own household, he has denied the faith. Like, if I'm taking care of my family, I'm doing it in faith. I'm doing it because the Spirit leads me. Verse 9, it says, no widow is to be enrolled. They had like a... They actually had a database. No woman is to be enrolled on the list for support unless she's at least 60 years old. Obviously, there's a problem here at this time, 63 AD. Otherwise, you, you got membership into the widow's list. Like there, There's no membership in here, but there's membership into a widow's list. Let them in, let them out. It says... No widow is to be enrolled on the list for support unless she's at least 60 years old, has been the wife of one husband. We talked about this, I think, in chapter 3 when it was talking about the overseers. And it said be the, they must be the husband of one wife. That's all it says, and then you have to like interpret what, what does that mean. Does that mean that you've only been married one time and they've never been married again? Can they get divorced? Are they widows? It says the husband of one wife. At the time, they were marrying multiple people. So when he's literally saying, right here, has been the wife of one husband, literally she's been married to like one person at that moment. Don't get legalistic on me. And as well known for good works, that is, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. Again, he's listing things that are the result of the work of the Spirit. He's not saying, okay, this is what a widow is supposed to do. Here's your list. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to wash all the saints' feet. No widow has washed my feet yet, so 
he's just literally saying, you just need to walk by the Spirit, and as the Spirit leads, do these things. Oh, older women that probably would not remarry, and they had to be recognized by the church. This is what he's saying. We recognize you and the situation that you're in. Verse 11, it says, but refuse, refuse to enroll, don't allow them on that membership role, younger widows, for when they are drawn away from, the, from Christ by desire, they want to marry and will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. Like literally, he's got women that may have been married to a believer, was following the Lord, the husband died, and now they've chosen not to pursue their faith, and they're, they're basically sleeping around. They're trying to find another husband. He's like, uh, yeah, you need to be cautious of that because they've quit chasing their first love, the first love being Jesus. And they're pursuing these sensual desires. This was a problem then more than their spiritual desires. And it, it, again, it comes down to you're going to chase your flesh or you're going to chase the spirit. It, it always comes back to those two. At the same time, verse 13, it says, at the same time, they also learn to be idle going from house to house. They're not only idle, but they're also gossips and busybodies saying things that they shouldn't say. Idleness versus serving and loving in the church. Again, flesh versus spirit. Entitlement. They had entitlement entitlement, versus kind of like what we call expectations of the church. This is kind of what you would see the fruit do. Verse 14, it says, Therefore I want younger women to marry, have children, so they would marry again. Get that? They would marry again. So I want, he's talking about widows. I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. For some have already turned away to follow Satan. If any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows in genuine need. He's literally saying, okay, you have a list of widows and you have a list that are able to take care of themselves, widows that are able to take care of themselves, let them take care of themselves, even if they need to remarry, start the whole family thing over again, versus those who are not going to remarry and need help and are walking by the Spirit. He's like, those that abandon their face, those that no longer trust God so that the church can't be accused. We, in this room, I refer to you often as Levinerites. Uh, people know who you are. People know, like, Jenny and, and Scott have never been here before, but they definitely know who the Levener people are in public. And they watch how you walk by your spirit or walk by your flesh. It's public. And so when he's like, if they're going to like go out and do these things, we don't want to be associated with them because then all of a sudden people are passing judgment as us as a whole and it just makes Jesus look bad. Most of the time, 
that was out of guilt. Make the other person look bad or worse than you, these women would do that. They would gossip. They would talk about things. They would be more concerned about themselves and walking by the flesh than they were by the Spirit. I'm going to travel with this, John. So uh, I'm going to talk to uh, some, some people in the room here. Everybody freaks out. <laughs> they know that I'm going to talk to them. Kim, you want to stand up? Sure. They want to be able to see you. Uh, Should I stand on the chair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can take this because I have a mic. Uh, this is Kim Schilling. And uh, I, I told some of my friends last night, I said, uh, I'm going to talk to three women in the room, and you don't want to be one of them. Would you say that? Absolutely. Yeah, so why am I talking to you? Because I'm a member of a club that no one wants to be in. Yeah, you're a widow. I am. Uh, you shared your story just oh, I sh- in, at the banquet. I did. Uh, tell them briefly. Uh, my story? N- not the whole thing, <laughs> but just like your husband and. Um. Yeah. So I. Um, uh, I was well. I was married twice, so I'm one of those. One of those. But, um, but one, one at a time. One at a time, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Dear Lord, help me if there was more than that. Um, yeah, so I'd gone through not-so-great marriage, and then God allowed me to meet um, really a great match for me Jeff, in Jeff. And um, it was kind of one of those, like, okay, God, he, you, you know, I went through this trial. Now you gave me this beautiful gift, great marriage. We're a good partnership. And... Um, then cancer happened, and we fought that for four years, and then he passed away in 2020. So we were just shy of, well, yeah, we just celebrated our 11-year anniversary right before he passed away, like two or three months before he passed away. So. And then you moved back from Phoenix to Indianapolis. Right. We moved to Arizona in that whole process because we wanted to live our dreams out, but it was all, it was all God's plan, timing. It was a beautiful place I was actually just there this last week and um yeah so in all of that happening I'm very very blessed that I had some runway with Jeff to kind of talk about like what's my life gonna look like now that he's not there and he played a part in that he was he was a planner he's type a so he was like do this do this do this do this so I did some of them not all of them and (laughs) But in the last two or three years, you've planted yourself here. Yes. So he's like, move back to Indiana. You have a support system there. All of his family's there, which I'm closer to Jeff's sisters and family than I am even to my own. And Yes. So (laughs) move back to Indiana. And um, I didn't want to go to a church where I'd have to like, oh, who are you? You're new here. What's your story? And I'm like, oh, gosh, I do not want to tell that story. And you all had prayed for me and Jeff so faithfully over the years in all this cancer journey. So it was really cool to then come here. At first, it was intimidating at first. I wasn't like, oh, good, everyone, I get to meet everyone again because they know my story, but I don't know theirs. But over time and getting involved and going to camp with you, which you 
asked me, I think, is it dare? And I actually went. I think you're surprised. And then going to Israel and just really building relationships here. It's like you guys are my home and I don't have to do the whole who are you, what's your story, all that good stuff. So. But uh, you and Jeff owned your own company yep. and, and it's going extremely well. Yeah, we're doing we're doing well. So financially, you're you're good. Yeah, I'm set. I don't well, I don't want to brag about it, but no, I understand. I've, you're on the news all the time, right? I I feel very blessed, and um, after years of hard work and and such, it's it's been good. So I'm I, I feel like I don't qualify for the widow list according to First Timothy five. Right, but but you also have you said you came back for this community. Uh, does this community meet your needs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel, uh, I don't know, I, I definitely feel loved, obviously, from my family first, but then also people here, like, I, I know if I needed something, I could call, and I could be like, Cam, help me with this, or Dale would help me with something, or, I mean, Troy is my go-to, usually, if he can figure it out. So, um, it just, yeah, I definitely feel... That I never feel like, oh, poor Kim, or she's a third wheel. It's just I'm part of the community. Right, right, right. All right, thank you. Thanks. I'm going to uh, come back here. Meg? Meg, you're in the club? I'm in the club, and I'm old enough to be in the club. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you that men still die young. Yes, they do. They end so. Tell us about your husband when he so, died. When he died, my husband was a pastor. He had retired. He had uh, years of problems with heart and everything that goes with having high cholesterol and being diabetic. So he was not well when he died, but he died too soon. How long ago was that? Uh, 18 years, almost 19. Okay. And... uh your needs, how were your needs met in those 18 years? Like you continued to work or you went to work. I continued to work. I've, I have two sons, and they have always been very helpful, especially after Mark died. You know, they were young before. But um, I, have, I did work. I continue to work. And, but my, I grew up, and I didn't ever have to learn how to use a screwdriver because my dad, my brothers, or my husband took care of all that. Uh, we went to buy a car. I got to choose the color. Uh, we would go to the dealership. Meg, you can have this car or this car. Which one do you want? And if I said, I don't like them, he said, well, choose. Anyway, so there were some things in my marriage I never do. And I said to my son this summer, I hate making these decisions. I don't like this at all. And he just looked at me like, you've been doing this for a long time, Mom. Anyway, so my sons are very helpful. And they will give me advice. And sometimes they don't know. But Leavener has been my lifeline since I became a part of Leavener. There are men that I can call, and I usually start with Keith because I'm in his small group. Or if it's electricity, I'll start with John. And John said to me, I had an electrical problem. He came and started to fix it. 
And it didn't get fixed. It wasn't his problem. And I called him, and he said, what did you do? (laughs) And I said to him, I opened the door of my microwave, and it caused the electricity breaker to go. And he said, go buy a new microwave. But he has been helpful. My oldest son, for four years, was a missionary in Greece. And as they were talking about what, you know, he was talking, thinking about coming back, and he has come back to help with his parents. And he said, you know, he said, I, they need a lot of help, his, his mother-in-law and his father-in-law. And I looked at him, and he said, Mom, I don't have to worry about you. You have Leavener. And for those four years, that's how he felt. Because he knew that I could go to somebody if I needed help to make a decision to, you know, to make better choices. There was always someone, some man at Leavener, and it's been a variety, who will say, hey, Meg, you need to do this. So Leavener has been my lifeline. You feel like you've been taken care of? I've been taken care of. It continues. Right on. Thank you. I got... I'm going to pass in front of these speakers, John. You would have to sit all the way over here. Yeah, it's good. Do you want to stand up or you just want to stay seated? This is Wanda Pontius. Uh, Wanda, you want to tell us about your husband and when he passed away? Wayne passed away in 2010, so I've been a widow for 13 years. And he was a pastor, too. Well, he was a school teacher, and uh, he rotated around Indiana, uh, filling in for pastors, and then a little small church wanted him to come and be their pastor. So he was a pastor for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been coming to Leavener? Do you know? I, I really don't. I was trying to think the other day, and I saw where someone had joined in 2017, and I... Uh, joined before they did, so it had to be before. Well, you didn't join, but you just well, started coming. No, I started coming. Yeah, I'm not allowed to join. I'm no. just, just get to come. Your letter's probably still at the other church, uh, I imagine. I don't know how they do oh, that they anymore. they probably got rid of that. <laughs> uh, so, are you taking care of, who Who takes care of you? Everyone. What do you mean by everyone? Like, like specifically, who takes care of you? Well, Leavener, for one. I know that there's a lot of people here that if I needed something, I could go to them. <laughs> yeah. And my children, of course. Um, I just had a major surgery last year, and my daughter and uh, son took care of me. My daughter was on a new job, so she started the first few days leave without pay when I first got out of the hospital, and then my son came for two weeks and stayed with me and did all all sorts of odd jobs. All the women in the neighborhood wanted him to come and help them. <laughs> so your your surgery was like the first of June or the end of May last year, wasn't that right? Yeah, the first week in June. First week in June and we go to camp on Father's Day, which is like June the seventeenth or eighteenth. And every year she asked me how many campers we have. 60, 65 campers, and she makes care packages. I'm talking about 
full full on care packages, candy, toys, things like that. And she knew last year that she was going to have surgery the first week of June. And so the end of May, guess what I got? 65 care packages before she had surgery. Because it's kind of cool. We check on each other all the time. Uh, but she takes care of us too. She is. She blesses Michelle and I at Christmas time and our small group, our whole small group. Uh, she is a great encourager to people. Thank you, Wanda. And Micah helped me a lot when I first moved to Westfield. Uh, I, I don't live in the home that Wayne and I had together. And he came and did some work in that home. And then I don't know how many boxes the poor guy had to move because I was in storage for a while before this house was finished. And so I appreciate him, too. Uh, thank you. Uh, the thing I appreciate appreciate about, I'm going to walk in front of this mic, our speaker. Uh, Meg and Wanda is, they both were pastor's wives. And they get it. They get it. They know. Like they, they encourage Michelle and... Um, they know the, know the life, and so I've we've built a bond with them. Especially, uh, he's saying, "Take care of, just take care of people. Take care of people." And then the last part here, I'm trying to fly through this, he, he switches to the elders, and I guess he's calling the the women widows, but. Then he refers to the, the men as elders. The elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. They, they were the permanent feature of, of Jewish synagogues at the time. It would have been natural for the churches to adopt this congregational power system where we put the elders in charge and the Romans would have been really excited about this whole leadership and everything else. So Paul used the practice of eldership in the church to organize churches that were founded by him and Timothy, not only in the Jewish regions, but also in the Gentile regions. And Jews would have easily understood that system of organization. He says in verse 18, For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out of the grain. And the worker is worthy of his wages. In, not up there, but the worker is worthy of his wages. In some of your Bibles, that will be in red ink, which basically means Paul quoted Jesus. Out of Matthew chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his food. And literally, this is what he's saying about the elders, those that teach. And, and again, just, just as Meg said, I, I'm not the only elder in the room. And the four other elders that we declare as elders for the purpose of the government, they're not the only elders in the room. There's many elders in the room. Just like Meg said, she goes to Keith. That's her small group leader. That's the first person that she goes to. Well, there's many other people in here. And it's not just men, it's women too. Like the women go to, to Shannon or 
to other people, to my wife, there's, there's, there's plenty of elders in the room. And we're not talking age here, although Paul's probably talking about age. He's like, but they're worthy of what they do. They're worthy of it. Verse 19, it says, don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. I hear all the time, Rusty said, I hate that. Because most of the time, it's not even right. (laughs) It's like, you're in the ballpark, but I didn't say it quite like that. You know, and so you hear a lot of hearsay, and that's not good. You hear a lot of things on Facebook, that's not good. One person's testimony may be skewed because they've had a bad experience. We had, we've had people that are upset with us for like stupid reasons that I, were out of my control, and one of them like left a review on Google Review, and I'm just like, you don't even know what we teach. You, you don't know nothing about us, you know? It's like, so know exactly what's being taught. Verse 20, it says, publicly, uh, this is maybe where Dan was like saying, oh, you got a tough one here. Publicly rebuke those who sin so that the rest will be afraid. Here we go. Dan, you're the worst. <laughs> if you've seen that video on YouTube, it's, it's awesome. But the pastor gets up there and he just starts going off on the people. Uh, this, is, this, this is still in reference to the elders. It's not to like everybody that's out there sinning. This is in reference to the elders. If somehow they've chosen to walk a season in their flesh. If, if my elders have done that, Phil Tooley, if you do that, where will you find me? At your front door. I will be at your front door. And, and just any other elder in here, I'll be at your front door. And I'm going to do what the Bible says, the Spirit does. Here's what I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit does. You know what he does? He convicts you of your righteousness. I'm going to remind you that you're holy, you're righteous, you're redeemed. And him dying on the cross was of great value. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to bust your chops. But when you say re- hear the word rebuke, you think, oh, they're going to get up there and stone him and tell him all there's trash and everything else. And it's like, mm-mm. Now, if you, if you come in here and you start destroying what we got in this room, I will stand up here and publicly rebuke you. I will. Because... I believe what's in this room is of God. And I'm not the protector, he's the protector, but he's allowed me to stand here. He says in verse 21, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus and the elect angels to observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing out of favoritism. Like, you put the gospel in jeopardy with society if you waver on the truth. Like Matt was saying, the good news is the good news. 
when you start saying something different about it and messing it up, it no longer becomes the good news. He says this in verse 22, don't be too quick to appoint anyone as an elder. Again, we have elders based upon the government kind of saying you need to have some kind of leadership to your nonprofit ministry. But we don't really appoint elders or deacons in here. It, you just are. You just are. I don't, we don't need some kind of organization that says, okay, you're designated leader. Says, he says, don't be too quick to appoint anyone as an elder and don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Again, walk by the Spirit. Don't continue drinking only water. Watch this. Don't continue only drinking water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. Who is he writing to? Paul's writing to Timothy, and Timothy's been getting sick. <laughs> he, he, he's like, and Paul's like, you know, just drink a little wine. It'll be good for you, Timothy. <laughs> drink a little wine. It'll settle you. Medicinal purposes. Verse 24, some people's sins are obvious, preceding them to judgment, but the sins of others surface later. It's all going to come out eventually. Likewise, good works are obvious, and those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden. So again, he closes this chapter right here with you either do the flesh thing or you do the spirit thing. And people are going to see the flesh thing Eventually, they'll see the flesh thing. Eventually, they'll see the flesh thing. And they're also going to see the spirit thing. Eventually, they see the spirit thing. I mean, Wanda's been making care packages for years, and you just now realized it today. So, it's the same thing. It always comes down to, you're going to walk by the spirit. You're going to walk by the flesh. It doesn't matter if we're talking about widows, elders. We're talking about believers, you in this room. That's it. And I promise you, I promise you, if you choose to walk by the Spirit, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Rick was up here singing the great adventure. It is an incredible adventure to walk by the Spirit. You have no idea what's going to happen in the next five minutes. You don't. So you, so may you be encouraged today. Father, I trust you with your word. I thank you not only for my widows that are in this room and widowers. I just thank you for my friends in this room. That you love us and that you gave your spirit so that we can live this great adventure. That we can... Uh, be the fruit, be the light to this world. May they see it, may they recognize it. And I trust you, I trust you with these things. In Jesus' name, amen.